Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture um, from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe by joining forces and sharing knowledge and having these everyday conversations that we have here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, that we can help remove the stigmas and the myths attached to memory loss and help those living with the disease live a healthier, purpose-filled life. And together, we can help everyone else understand what it's really like, what are the true needs of this disease, and try to get rid of the fear and the isolation that encumbers so many people dealing with dementia. At our core, we believe that collaboration truly is the key to winning this battle. And I know that we're having a huge effect because we were honored by ShareCare with Dr. Oz as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's. And that would not have happened without all of our listeners. You guys have been absolutely fantastic in terms of helping spread the word. Those clicks, those likes, those shares, they're powerful. So don't underestimate that. If you are on Facebook, we would love for you to go ahead and and like our our, uh, webpage. Um, We would also love for you to like us on the Blog Talk Radio page. Um, If you have a Twitter account, please feel free to to, um, tweet out these episodes because you never know who in your sphere is going to need information next. And, you know, by just having it out there, it relaxes people, makes them feel a little bit more comfortable, and they can reach out for that information when when the time is right for them. We really do need to um, get this conversation up and running. And the only way we're going to do that is kind of a grassroots effort with all of us getting involved. So, again, I really want to thank each and every one of you for your help and for your support. Um, on Alzheimer's Speaks, for those of you that are new, we interview all different types of people. And today we are going to have uh, an inspiring author. We're also going to have the Executive Director of Alzheimer's Disease International on with us from London, Mark Wartman. And, um, but we interview people that have dementia. We interview people like you. You know, maybe you are a family caregiver. Maybe you are a professional caring for somebody with a disease. Maybe you have a neighbor or a coworker. You could be an advocate, a researcher. Um, maybe 
you know, maybe you've got an idea that you want to share with people. Maybe you've got a concern. We want to hear it all. So feel free to call in and join the conversation. Um, this by no means is a one-sided conversation at all. Before I introduce our first guest, though, I do want to just give a shout-out to a few of some of my favorite um, favorite organizations, ones that I really think need to be raised and people need to be more aware of them, um, that they are here. Um, the Alzheimer's Disease International Organization, um, again, with Mark is going to be talking the second half of the show, is a fabulous organization, though. It is the organization of all the Alzheimer's associations around the world. And so no matter where you are, you're going to be able to find what organization is closest to you. Plus, they have scads of great information. Um, they do global reports. Um, and also have uh, lots of great support information on their site as well. Um, the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation has been around for 20 years, and they take a holistic approach. So they've got some really cool stuff on lifestyle, what you can do differently from eating and exercising and meditation. And, um, the, you know, so I would highly recommend that you go check them out. And they're at alzheimersprevention.org. The Lewy Body Dementia Association, the Association for Frontal Temporal Lobe um, Degeneration, the National Aphasia Association are all specific types of dementia. And, you know, if you're dealing with any of those, they can really, you know, pop up and, and help you um, with some of the specifics of those diseases. Um, the Alzheimer's Studies um, group, where you can find them on Facebook as the Alzheimer's Teams, or you can go to alzheimersstudies.com, has a trial on Tau, and they were actually on the show last week um, talking about their study. One of their one of their uh, investigators was on with us, which was very interesting. Music First with Coral Health. I am such a believer in music and the arts, and Trin Rosili is going to be talking with us. Um, about her book and some of the things she's up to. And she's big into the arts, too, and just does a wonderful job. But Music First with Coral Health is um, just so powerful. I call them prescriptions, music prescriptions, because they can figure out what will help your person with dementia um, eat, sleep, uh, wake up, switch moods, all kinds of things. It's pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. And then we're always looking for things to do on an intergenerational basis, and Jiminy Wicket is a croquet game that can be used by families or it can be used um, with people, um, you know, in organizations, schools, and memory care units. It's it's quite fascinating. Puzzle With Me is an organization that has designed puzzles especially for those dealing with dementia. Um, oversized puzzles um, for piece size, but not as many, and then age-appropriate. And, of course, the Purple Angel Program, I would be amiss if I did not talk about that. Um, the Purple Angel Program is a new global symbol for dementia. 
and it is absolutely fantastic. Um, anybody can be part of this. So if you're interested in learning more about the Purple Angel, just contact me directly, and I'd be glad to have a conversation with you. You can shoot me an email at lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com, or just go to our website, alzheimerspeaks.com, and click on the the big contact button, and from there you'll you'll get information. So let me go ahead and introduce our first guest. Um, Trin Rose Seely is a professional caregiver, a photographer, and a musician. She grew up with a brother with special needs, which helped her really form this sensitivity to those who can't say who they are, but often respond positively when she shares the best stories of life. Trin is a passionate speaker, writer, and collaborator with others um, who share this hopeful approach around Alzheimer's. She's written a book. She's created an a app for your phone. She teaches on a regular uh, basis an art class for those with Alzheimer's and related dementias. She has been on our show before, and she truly is a joy to have uh, to have with us. So, Trin, welcome to the program. How are you today? Thank you, Lori. I am good, and I'm thrilled to be on your show again and share ideas with your listeners and look forward to meeting you when you come down to Phoenix in a month. We're really uh, opening the way for you to come and visit. We're, we're thrilled to invite you this way, warm it up for you. <laughs> Yes, I I am very excited about going to some warm weather. It's like uh I don't know, they were talking 55 below with wind chill. Uh and I don't I haven't really checked to see if it's gotten that cold or not uh to be honest with you. So, um you know, but I am definitely looking forward to going down to uh Phoenix. I'm going to be speaking at uh, a Mesa conference down there and then also um with the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation um, and a couple other groups. I'm going to be speaking in Scottsdale as well. Um, We just got that formalized on the 27th and 28th. So if you're in the Phoenix, Phoenix area, please check, check us out. We'd love to, love to have you come to, um, to either of those events. Um, Trent, it's been a year since we've talked. So what's going on with you? What have you been up to? I have been having a good time sharing stuff and uh, endorsing many wonderful people and recommending them for all the resources you mentioned. It's just so wonderful. I got to spend time with um, Mr. Jiminy Wicket up in Colorado several years ago. He does a terrific uh, program with that wonderful game, Croquet, and it's just delightful for all ages. And I also met the the head fellow of Coral Health, which you mentioned, Music First. Just mm-hmm. an incredible to help people go through their day with music that gets their energy up, brings it down gently, just with wonderful music. So it's fun to hear all these wonderful people that you've mentioned as well that I've enjoyed sharing with other people. I especially enjoy sharing those things on my Facebook page, which is just bustling with all sorts of good resources. I've been um, doing talks and trainings. I've been doing this wonderful art class that we'll talk about some more. My app became ready, which I'm thrilled about. 
to share with people. And I had my first wedding anniversary, which I'm very pleased about as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and you should be. And you should be. So how? So you've been married one year? It will, It's almost two. So, almost yes. two? Okay. Well, con- congratulations there. That's exciting. It is. Feels good, and he's cheering from the other room. (laughs) Well, it's nice to have our cheerleaders. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, You had mentioned that you had met James with Jiminy Wicked, and it it really is very fun to be able to meet these people all over the world and connect and see these passions ignite. And there's so much going on that so many people don't know, so it's important for all of us to share that information and um, really make a difference because it's fascinating and it's it makes such a large impact this you know um this way of communicating we get all sucked into um marketing plans and doing things but it really is just this normal everyday conversation that really has in my opinion the most power um and the most effect so it's it's fun to hear that you've been connecting with others can you tell us about your art class that you teach in surprise arizona and how does that affect your artists and your caregivers yes it has a very good and positive effect, so they say, and I believe them. (laughs) The class is called Mindful Art, and my colleague and I have been teaching that class for a year now. We started last February in a community art center called WHAM, What's Happening Art Movement. (laughs) It's a terrific (laughs) space, terrific people, you know, those children from the 60s said, we need to call this the what's happening art movement. But it's very wonderful to be in a community art center where we are raising awareness about Alzheimer's and truly raising the awareness that these are people, people first, that are artists and they're interested in creating art and telling stories on a theme and singing songs that make them laugh and make them remember other things in their lives. So that's what we do. We start with music. We talk about New Year's resolutions or Valentine's Day, the birth of jazz we're talking about in in February. And it gets our energy up in a positive way. We talk, we laugh, and then we create art. And it's just delightful. Um, and we also do a separate caregiver experience a support group for the caregiver because my colleague Annette and I both really feel strongly that the support person needs attention too we can create this great time for the person the artist as I call them but we need to also serve the caregiver who's worked hard to get that person there this morning and has an hour and a half to be supported as well so we provide local resources of of groups around that can give other attention to them during the rest of the time. We run this class a couple of times a month and it's just it's just delightful to see what happens for the artists who come. They they just turn back into themselves and the caregiver who comes back is often surprised that they told you a story or they they sang all the words to that song. Yes, they did because we gave them an opportunity to do that. Um, the other important thing about the class is that we provide 
quotes on a topic and also song lyrics that can be taken home and used again. It's giving people portable ideas to continue enjoyable, successful interactions at home and even to share with other caregivers, other people, other neighbors, friends who come in the home. For instance, the class we just did was on um, focused on Cuba because we're, we're going to be going to a West Valley Symphony concert in March as a class that is playing Gershwin's Cuban Overture. So mm-hmm. we picked quotes about traveling, and they're all written on a page, and on the other side is songs about traveling, like, um, Oh, we ain't got a barrel of money, maybe we're ragged and Funny, but we're traveling along, singing a song side by side. And we say, oh, we've been traveling in our lifetimes, and tell me about the places you've been. And I know some of these folks well from being in class with them for a year, so I can sort of remind them if they need that, oh, you loved going to Jamaica and Bermuda. And then they say, yes, I did, and then they can start telling about it. We just generate these stories and excitement and fun, and and uh, no one realizes how beautiful it is to travel until he comes home and rests his head on his old familiar pillow. <laughs> you know, we just it's having things in front of you that you can refer to, not only at class but that the caregiver can take home with them, gives them something enjoyable to do and to talk about at home as well. It's a good well, time, and that's so important. It's um, it is fun to be able to to you know share by example um, how to pull somebody out, how to connect, how to engage, um, because families and friends so often are so lost. You know, we get into our routines and and we lose that creative side because I think people feel so burdened with doing tasks, and um, and it's so cool when you you see that glint in their eye and that excitement of oh my gosh you know there there is more to this and i'm missing this and and you know i can try that at home um you know but i just find that so rewarding i can't imagine how how it must make you feel when you're doing that all the time it feels really good and it and my passion about sharing that with other caregivers is huge because I did many years of direct care of all needs and all the things that a person needs to have a good day. And that's what I learned just as a caregiver. And it's it's slightly different to be a professional caregiver versus a family member. But I, even in the private one-on-one care that I did in private homes, give me their best stories. Tell me what I need to know about this person that I can talk about and praise them for and and bring to the forefront so that that person recognizes me in the moment as a person who knows them and understands and appreciates and values who they are and then it's the the activities of daily living as we call them go better because that person already feels like this person understands me and I can I can trust them to help me, help me in the bathroom, help me get a shower, help me get dressed, 
because I, I have a synergy with this person. They they get who I am. And that, that, that I've learned that, and, and I have shared that in my book. I felt strongly about writing it down so that caregivers would get that inspiration within themselves and say, I can still tell the best stories about my family member, and it will generate positive energy around our everyday activities. Yeah, and that that is so critical. When you do these classes, um, Trin, how often do you do you do them? Are they weekly or monthly? We do first and third Thursdays, as it turns out. So we do two classes a month, and I'm looking to create another class near where I live. I drive a fair distance to this wonderful art center because they're definitely the right energy to be part of. Um, so, yeah, two times a month. And it would, it's wonderful to, to tell about other classes that I'm finding out about in the areas to say there's more, more resources out there to join in, generate this positive energy. And, and what time do you do the class? Is it an hour or two hours? Or We do an hour and a half. And we had to be doing the class in the morning, 10.30 to 12, which was a very good energetic time for people. We've switched it to a 1.30 in the afternoon, which also is a good energy time, not too late in the day, and perfect for the new attendees that have come in in the new year. They all said, this is a great time to come. So I switched the class to suit their needs as well. But yet, 1.30 is a good time, and hour and a half is just right, not too long and not too short. Okay, okay. And is there a cost for, for this program, or do you run on grants, or how does that work? I'm learning more about grants. I We have some private donations that have been supporting our class. We charge a $10 fee for the class, which covers all the materials, support group time, and an artist's experience, as well as printing the lyrics and newsletters that we do and yeah we would love to make it free and we'll we're working towards that in the new year but it feels good to have it be a low cost option for people and i always say it's not it's not as much about creating the art although we do create some beautiful art it's more about bringing up a person's energy and some caregivers have said, you know, they felt so much better for several days afterwards after your class because we're engaging people, we're connecting, we're telling stories, we're laughing, and it's it's a really good way to spend time in the class. Oh, very neat. Can, <clears throat> for a class size, have you found um, an ideal number? Is there is it, you know, can it be too small or too big, or what have you what have you found works well for your class size? We have found that between four and eight people is great, and even the space in the art center dictates that a little bit. But in terms of paying attention to everybody and making sure every person is really enjoying themselves rather than being confused or disoriented, um, so between four and eight is perfect. We've also... um, I met a wonderful professor at Grand Canyon University who has many first-year nursing and psychiatry students who need volunteer hours for their program, 
and they've started joining in the class as well. They bring such a wonderful energy to people. And so we need to start renting the larger room because we got all sorts of people in there <laughs> and giving good attention and listening and you know, even if a person doesn't even put pencil or paintbrush to paper, they've had a good experience being part of the class. So I'm uh, making room for the people who go into the classroom. just did a training with those students a couple weeks ago, and especially just to tell them that what we're doing is we're reminding people of their lives as well as suggesting a direction to go with creating art and then just seeing how they respond. They might do something completely different than what you suggest, or they might be grateful for giving them a direction, an idea of something to do. There's an artist, a resident artist at Wham, who rents studio space and creates her art there. Her art is just full of little buildings and color and figures, amazing, colorful things. And as I got ready for this Cuba focus for our class, I borrowed a picture of hers to put in our classroom because it's just, it looks like Cuba. It's this colorful and beautiful hot air balloons and and flair. And we just looked at that picture, the whole class, and said, let's create something like that if you feel inspired by these colors. And we created this huge picture of a hot pink building, a hot blue and hot yellow because that's the picture we had of, of Havana, gorgeous colors. Uh-huh. And uh, I had a different idea. I had a, a skyline, a picture of a skyline of Cuba at night with beautiful you know, orange striping in the water and some blue of the night and colors. And one of the people in the class said, well, you know, that city line looks like any other city. If you look at this street scene, though, this pink building and this blue and yellow all in a row, that's Havana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what very we did. Very cool. That's what we oh, very it. fun. We're getting very ready to fun. add a, a vintage car in the corner <laughs> because uh-huh. that's what they have there. So it's well, it's really good. Really good. Well, that's fantastic. Um, I just, you know, the arts is just so important. Can you give us some examples? You had mentioned um, pencils and paintbrushes, and what types of projects do do people work on? Yeah. Do you do clay? Do you do, you know, um, is it a little bit of everything, or do you have certain modalities that you like to really stick to? I mostly stick with. Um, watercolor paintings and pencil, a colored pencil drawings. Mostly um, when I worked for the Alzheimer's Association in Denver, even before I worked for them, I was an activities professional, and I learned their program, which is called Mind, um, Memories in the Making. They do a wonderful program that um, raises great awareness and funds in Denver, as well as the other associations who employ that program, Memories in the Making. And about 10 years ago, they were very focused on watercolor paintings. There are some other techniques that I'm continuing to develop and prepare to add. But what's nice about watercolor is it's non-toxic, it's easy, it's there, it's available. And as it turns out, these particular people who've joined this class many of whom have been painters in the past, so they're familiar with 
a paintbrush and water and what to do, and they create some beautiful things. There's a lady who loves her pencils, and so she'll draw anything that's in front of her with her pencils, and she'll look very carefully at the colors. And she was a junior high art teacher in her career. And so, and stamps, too. Her husband has now brought in some big, beautiful stencil-type stamps that have, you know, the filigree of flowers around the corner. Or I, I also purchased a flower stamp because she loves flowers, to paint flowers and, and create flowers. So now in her in her disease process, she's starting to fade a bit energetically. But if she has something to work from, a stamp, boom, there's her flower, then she can color it in, she can add leaves, she can add some flurry around it, which is wonderful to see, to continue to help her create art in the state that she's in. And she just is thrilled to be there. And I've also added some uh, ornaments, you know, just a simple star, tree, moon-shape ornaments that, if she needs it, something to trace just to get started, she'll trace that and then she'll color it in and she'll add features and, and make it way better than it started. So mostly paper, paper works, and that's that's what we're having fun with right now. Well, and that, that makes sense, and it's something that most people have done in a lifetime, so it's not like you're introducing something new. <clears throat> you know, for them to to deal with. And the watercolors, I mean, like you said, it's just so free-flowing. Um, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to, to watch and uh, and see them, see them grow because there is no wrong, you know, when yeah. you're doing that stuff. So it's a, yeah. <clears throat> it's a win-win situation, which is wonderful. Um, you know, you have done some stuff um, where where you've pulled together where you think you can make it easier for kind of waiting at the doctor's office and having a better time for everyone. And that can be one of those just drudgery um, things, sitting in a waiting room. How can you, you know, help a caregiver make that, that doctor's visit um, more comfortable? Yes. Well, I've first created my book, 15 Minutes of Fame, One Photo Does Wonders to Bring You Both Back to Solid Ground. And from creating that book came the art class as well as from my past experience with the art program and a phone app that I've had the fortunate opportunity to create and design with um, Arizona State University Technology and Education Department. It's an app for caregivers that they can use to bring these ideas again to the to the mind, to the caregiver's mind as well as the person with dementia. The app is called Alzheimer's Story Starters, and it was out. It's out on Android phone. The iPhone technology. We're still working towards getting that flowing a little easier. Android version is working very well, and it is full of pictures, photographs that I've taken, um, song links to YouTube that people can Mm -hmm. listen, they can sing along. Um, One user of the the app told me that she 
danced the evening away with her husband after they listened to one of the songs, put on their old albums, and started having a wonderful connection that she was missing with her husband with dementia. But that, that having a song in her ear and his ear made them say, hey, let's put on our old favorite records and do some dancing. Um, And so that's what happens with the app. We've got a button that has photographs that you can look at. It has song links. And with YouTube, you know, you can go and investigate further further, um, choices than just the ones, the links that are provided. So people can expand on that. It also has a button called Starters that has several small little story ideas, like there was a time when, or I remember when you did this, or let me tell you about your gardening award that you got. Um, It gives you just an idea, a starter, a quick sentence starter. You know, when people, when a caregiver feels frustrated that their family member can't say or tell a story, it's my turn now as a caregiver to start the story. And once you get started on your stories, it very well may spark a story in the one that you're caring for. And one of the other buttons is called Example, and it just has a story you can read. You know, here's an example of a crazy time when I was racing to the airport and didn't get to my flight on time because I was going to the Midway Airport instead of the O'Hare Airport, and I was only 19, and I didn't realize (laughs) there was another airport. It's just a short, funny story on these topics, seasons, celebrations, ideas of funny things to talk about that will give you something interesting to do while you're waiting. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and uh, again, those those conversation starters, they're, they're so simple, but it's not how we normally communicate. And, um, and so I, I think it's wonderful that you've built that tool um, to help people um, engage. That's just such a, such a great, great um, benefit to everyone. How do, they, how do they get the app for that? People can go to the site that is called appszoom.com. So it's A-P-P-S-Z-O-O-M.com. And what you do is you go to the site, appszoom.com. You look in the top search bar in the top right corner and type in Story Starters. And what will pop up is there are a few choices out there. This one is has a blue stack of books, and that's the icon to look for is a blue stack of books. And if you have an Android phone, then you can click on that icon, and it will download it to your Android phone. And off you go, and it's free, and you can then have access to stories, pictures, songs, and ideas of ways to tell a story that you can carry with you. It's another portable way to have a bunch of great things to talk about. Okay. Now, uh, when you go to that page, is it um, under a certain category? I'm sorry, I might have missed that. I got a head cold. <laughs> yes. Um, it's The easiest way to find it is just to type in story starters at the top right corner of the page, and then it will pop right up. That's okay. the easiest 
because they have a lot of different apps on that site, and that's the way that in the searching, searching has gone very well for me and the users of the app. Okay, and I just did that. It popped up really quickly. The only thing I will note is um, for anyone who goes to Apps Zoom, and again that's a p p s zoom z o o m dot com. Um, the search bar is in that upper um, right hand corner, but it's it doesn't stand out because it's kind of a black gray on a black gray. And so, um, but it's right on top of the where it says developers in blue, and you can type right in there. You'll be able to find it fairly quickly. But until you, you know, put your cursor there, it doesn't lighten up. So um, just a tip on that one. But other than that, it's really easy to find and um, looks looks wonderful. So, well, that's that's cool. Yeah. That's very, very, very cool. And free to boot? I mean, people, you know, come boot. on. I know. That's Go for pretty, it. pretty fantastic. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I have so, a, I have a great, I have a great story to tell about it if you'd like to oh, hear. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, about, please. When uh, when the app was first ready in May last year, I showed it to my family, and my mom was searching through. She found the song link, "Singing in the Rain." And she said, oh, I love that movie. You know, when when you were in utero with in, inside of my, my body, I was in London with your father in the Navy, and I went to see that movie with another naval wife. So you got to see that movie before you were even born. <laughs> I said, wow, I, no wonder I like it so much. <laughs> And, you know, my mom's been my mom all my life, and I never heard that story before. So, you know, we're storytellers, and we love to share experiences. But even in this moment, to have this app that had options that were funny, interesting, clever, enjoyable, this story popped out, and I just thought it was great. And then my nephew, who's 10, who was there, he said, Hey, I know Gene Kelly. He hosted the Muppet Show once, and I have the Muppet Show in the other room. Do you want to come watch Gene Kelly on TV right now with me? I said, <laughs> yes, I do, and off we went. And it's it's These are the kinds of things that happen with the app. It's like let's generate some good stories. Let's generate some enjoyable experiences, some great reminiscing, and that's that's what the app does, and I'm thrilled to have it existing and would love to hear some more stories from caregivers who are using it. I feel like we might just be behind in even being able to use it, um, but people aren't using it yet because they don't realize it's there. But once people mm-hmm. realize it exists, then it's like I have a, a whole handful of great ideas right here in my phone of things to do, things to talk about, things that are inspiring and that will bring positive energy to my time with my family member or the person I'm caring for. So I'm really excited about it. Oh, we need to have you add that into our resource directory too, Trin, if you haven't yet. Um, I just pushed it out to um, my Facebook uh, group as well. And if you want to do an article on that and submit it to me for the blog, I'd be glad to push it out that round too so that – so that we can let people people know more about that. Um, 
Say, I had a question, um, I, and I forgot to ask this when we were talking about your class. I'm going to backtrack a bit. Um, is the class just for people with dementia, or do their caregivers or care partners come with them as well? And it sounded like it was just them, but I wanted to to make sure that that was clear because I had a question on that. Mm-hmm. We have we have two two experiences running at the same time. So the caregiver brings their their family member to the art class and then they step into the next room and have a support group at the same time. I always invite the caregivers to peek in if you would like to see what we're doing and often they're they're just really ready to have some time to share what's going on for them in a quiet and private setting. Um, at the beginning of the month we had a couple of groups in Surprise, Arizona where we do the class who created a, a special class allying with uh, the West Valley Arts Council and Benavia, and there are two groups that do a lot of programs in the West Valley here. And so we advertised in a way that invited some new people to the class, and we did that class all together with the caregiver, which was great as well for them to see that by singing and telling stories, all of a sudden our energy has risen and we're ready to create art. And people created cards, greeting cards to bring home, as well as watercolors and larger pictures. And it was just, it was great. But we really love to protect that energy for the caregiver to have a separate experience for themselves while we're doing art with our with our artists. Okay, well that that makes a lot of uh, makes a lot of sense there, um, and I, I like that you've you know got something for both both parties to be able to do. That's that's absolutely wonderful. Um, now another thing, um, you know, we get questions all the time, and maybe you can help with this. You know, what what should a care partner do when the person that they're caring for is looping or asking the same question over and over and over again? Do you have a way to be able to shift that dynamic? Yes, and again, it, it comes all back to having something good and enjoyable and inspiring to talk about. And that was what I lay out in my book very specifically, is how to do that. How do you create resources that you can draw on that give you something more enjoyable, more anchoring to talk about than getting confused. Um, When I did full-time care with people, and there was a woman I especially remember who she asked every day, every 30 seconds for about two months, when am I going home? And she just asked it over and over. And I spent a lot of time with her, and we did different things together and what I learned about her is that she was a master gardener. She had beautiful gardens in Colorado, and she loved getting out. We would go on van rides every few days. Sometimes I was the driver. Sometimes I was a passenger and a, a person sitting with people. So I would sit with her, and we'd look out the window, and she would say, when are we going home? And I'd say, well, you know, we're going home in about half an hour. We're out looking at the mountains. And she'd be comfortable with that for about 30 seconds. And then she'd say, when are we going home? 
and I'd say, well, we're going to be home just in time for dinner. It's going to be the perfect time to arrive because we're going to have a great meal and you're invited. And then she'd say again, when are we going home? And I would say, well, we're going home in time to meet your daughter for dinner because she's coming over tonight. Oh, she is? Oh, I'm so glad she's coming over. And in in that in the answering the question different ways, I was mm-hmm. trying to find out what the root of the question was. Sometimes you find out, sometimes you don't. But often what I've experienced is when a person is asking the same question, it's because they there's something they want to know and you have to find out from different angles what that might be. She was missing her daughter. She mm-hmm. wasn't thinking about her childhood home. She wasn't thinking about her home as an adult. She was thinking about her daughter, and I finally got it. <laughs> yeah, I could say it. She's coming to dinner tonight. Oh, I'm so glad. And then she could be more comfortable for that period of time. Then after that period where she was just disoriented and didn't know what was going on yet, she stopped asking that question. She was done. She felt like she was home enough to be relaxed and to let go of worrying about that. That's mm-hmm. one thing about asking the same question is to answer it different ways. Another thing to do is to say something different. Say, well, you know, I've been I've been wondering the same thing and I thought we should have a cup of coffee before we go. And then you bring over a cup of coffee and you bring over a, a, something delicious to eat and then you start talking about those times when she always made the scones for the tea for the mother's group when the kids were young and you you go a different direction you take that energy in a different direction and you you create home you anchor you you ground each other by something that's just slightly going around the corner it's not going too far away from when are we going home but it's creating home right there mm-hmm. and it that's good too those are two different aspects one is to sort of look at it straight on and Try and find out what's up. Another is to create a situation that feels comfortable, feels like home, something enjoyable. And then these techniques that I've learned as a caregiver that I wrote in my book are, you know, bring out a photograph that has a great caption, a story attached to it. Bring out song lyrics of her favorite music and sing and just sit and sing together and bring up that energy and anchor right where you are and tell a great story about her life. These things really do add positive energy to the situation right then and there. I I got an elementary education degree a long time ago. <laughs> I've come along down the road, but when I when I did that degree, I felt very strongly about learning about how people learn and how they feel comfortable and that that those things can transfer to new learning situations, Um, that children and adults can, you know, be in conversation with each other that that can bring up the energy that creates the learning, Um, that when when people need an anchor, it's there. And um, I love working with children. I worked with kinder music, young children. I worked with special needs children. And then when I started working with adults with 
different kinds of dementias, I brought those strategies with me to say, how do I connect with this person right now in the way that will make them feel comfortable and happy? That's what, that's what I love to do. And I, I'm glad that I had the chance to figure it out enough to put it into a book and say, one photo, one song, one story will bring you both back and give you something good to talk about. I think one of the things that I love so much about um, what it is you do and how you do it is it just comes from just this um, joyful place where, you know, it's 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 about the engagements um, at, at a simple state where everyone can just breathe easier. So not only are you creating a great um a great atmosphere for the person with dementia, but for those that are caring for them. And I think so many times people discount what that shift is um, when they get away from being so task-oriented and on this mission to accomplish, you know. It's kind of yeah. like this mission impossible type scenario, and we add all this extra stress to us, and and we forget about having fun. We forget about what the core of our relationship really was. We forget about being silly and, and laughing, um, you know, and so many people won't laugh um, when illness strikes, and, and that's one of the things I think that's at most people's core of their relationship is like you can let your hair down, you can laugh, you can cry, you know that person's there for you all the way around and um you know we need to we need to create that comfort we need to create that space um that helps us both survive and thrive and enjoy life um you know no matter what our situation is and and all of what you're doing you know for alzheimer's and dementia is applicable in so many other scenarios in our life as well i mean it's just you know for me I know getting to that place, um, because I was a control freak for a long, long time, driven by my checklist and my, you know, the power of that check on the paper that I completed something. And, and, you know, I had, um, I mean, I was, I was great socially. I interacted and, um, you know, I, I did all the things I was supposed to do, but I just do them at a whole different level now that I've let go of the, you know, I I just don't let the task control me anymore. I let the the environment and the situation drive what is needed, and and really try to connect first, and um, and still get my job done. Don't get me wrong there, um, but it just has taught me to approach things so different. And when I've let go of control, I gained so much. You know, and I, I I had no idea what I would gain in my life, but I gained, you know, a calmness. I gained a confidence. I gained um, just this peacefulness of it's okay. You know, I wasn't driving, you know, and riding the stress train anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was just massive for me and i and i think that's one of the beautiful things that you teach people is just the beauty of the connection and not losing a relationship because of a disease you know none of us should give that up um but it seems like in so many cases it's the first thing to go 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Because our culture, our general culture runs in that way. It says you need to be faster, stronger, better, or I'm cutting you off. And mm-hmm. that's painful. It doesn't it doesn't actually work in the business world either, and that's why I am grateful to have been raised the way I was and the experiences I've had to say I'm going to generate excitement around all the resources that I see, and there's many more, for supporting people with Alzheimer's and their caregivers. And for me, personally, I feel very strongly about supporting everyone in that circle of care. It's the caregiver, the person they're caring for, and anyone who joins in, whether it's a professional or a family member who has been estranged and finds a way to get reconnected and wants to give direct support now, hasn't been able to, to do that and now has known knows how to do it or, or finds a way or at least the commitment to wanting to help and support Everyone needs to be supported in that circle, and that is that's how I created the strategies I did to say there's so many people involved here that need support, and um, you have to feed and support the caregiver as well as the person with the, with the disease that's struggling, and then then everything can go up from there. You know, all the energy can raise up from that point to say. Um, telling stories, telling, you know, singing songs and showing photographs and spiritual resources and their favorite book and mark their page of their favorite book, put it on the coffee table, and anyone who walks in the door can pick something up about that person or knows what their favorite book is and their favorite poem in that anthology can open it right up and start reading it. And that person with dementia is going to say, or spark up and say, and have a reaction that's positive because it's already, you've already set them up with a red carpet. Here's the things that will give energy to this person and support both of you. And that's wonderful. You know, when when people are in their homes and they make the choice to add some professional care, it's it's so essential and wonderful to have three favorite stories, songs, or photographs right on the table because that person is walking in and they don't necessarily know anything about the person they're caring for. They could just start marching into the kitchen and making food. They could start doing laundry. But, hey, why don't you make a real personal connection with the person you're caring for and how to do it? Here it is. Here's three things to tell her every time you come in. And then that the person with dementia starts really trusting that person who's new to them, but they feel known, they feel valued right away. And what better way to do that than create those few things that tell the story of that person. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, it's so fun, you know, listening to you, Trin, because um, everything you do is really about teaching people how to how to be able to live life better and and all of your skill sets that that you're putting out there are transferable ideas that can be done pretty much anywhere at any time and and I, and I think that that's fabulous um in terms of being able to expand somebody's toolkit in terms of what's out there and what can they do and how can they do it and and getting people to understand that there there's not a right or wrong it's just Pick something and try it and see see what works. And um, 
you know, it, it might work now and it might not work later or vice versa. And, and that's okay because it's not about tallying up failures. It's about trying. You know, it's uh, my mantra is it's about progress, not perfection. You know, and and not too often in life do we do everything perfect. So stop thinking that you're going to get it perfect when you're dealing with somebody with dementia. You know, you don't the rest of your life either. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> you know, that, for any of us, any age or any relationship, we just, that's it. To me, that's why I put on my website all about Alzheimer's and everybody else. <laughs> yep. We're not so far away from a person who is trying really hard to keep up with their life and wants to make a contribution, who wants to do something valuable with their time and their 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 energy and their spirit they they want to give and when a person with dementia is working so hard to do that it's really nice to have the people around them helping them get there by saying you designed bathing suits you were a terrific lawyer you have done this and here's the book that you published and here's the picture of that crazy trip we took across the country when we were all kids here it is right here it's done and you can refer to it every single day and it's just positive things it's a wonderful way to spend time and empower everyone in the circle wonderful well we've got a couple of callers on the line so let me let me pull them in and we have a caller from a 719 number you're live and on the air if you want to give your name please and 719 would that be me that would be you that would be oh hey what's going on how's everybody doing we're We're doing good good. and who is this Uh, my name is roger and uh, uh-huh. I had the fantastic opportunity to spend the last uh, days of my father's life with him as he passed away due to complications with Alzheimer's. And uh, I think uh, I think the biggest stigma about Alzheimer's is the fact that uh, as an adult child of an aging parent, we are so terrified about the fact that uh, in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, that our parents are going to be facing this problem, and we're horrified about the fact of as far as how it's going to disrupt our life. And I initially went through that uh, paranoia, but when I moved back in with my father in order to help take care of him, it was one of the most rewarding experiences I ever had. Wonderful. You know, there was nothing to be paranoid about it at all. That's great because there is a lot of, I, I mean, it's it's spooky stuff. You know, it's the unknown and a lot of what we hear, you know, in the news is negative and, um, you know, it's kind of fear-driven a lot of times. Yes, um, it is. It's that initial anxiety that will just drive you up the wall. But once I got into it, uh, you know, once I just, you know, sung my head into the program, it was a... Uh, it was not that hard. I mean, there were some difficulties here and there, but uh, for the most part, it's, uh, I mean, that's your duty as an adult child of a parent with Alzheimer's. You come home and you, you take care of mom or dad or both of them. You just do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's the natural order of things. And you're fortunate to have that because there's so many people, you know, that lose their parents when they're in their 
teens or even younger mm-hmm. and don't get a chance to know them and, uh, you know, don't have that opportunity. And, uh, I, you know, if you're facing this situation, just don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. This is the way yeah. it goes. One of the things that I know I really enjoyed with my with my own mother was, um, you know, as the disease progressed and her skill sets declined, I got to see her how she was, and this is how I choose to put it in my mind, but I got to see her how she was as a child. And that was such right. a gift because she was so joyful and she didn't have, you know, she didn't have the filters. She didn't, you know, she wasn't worried about what everyone thought. Um, she was just an right. innocent soul that was just if you know for me it was just a beautiful thing to to be able to be part of and so um i i thank you very much for calling in roger um trin did you have anything else you wanted to add i just i'm so glad to hear from you roger and it is inspiring to be present with your parents when you get that chance and you've chosen to do that and it's lovely that you have so thank you Hey, no problem, and I uh, really okay. appreciate your radio show, and take care, Lori. Oh, okay, thanks, Roger. <laughs> we also we also have another caller on the line, a 717, and I think this might be Harry. Harry, are you are you with us today? Yes, I am. I Did am a huge a- fan of, uh, I'm a huge fan of trends, so I had, I had to jump in here. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in your art class uh, trend now. Uh, when... I spend a lot of time with, with, with people with dementia, and I like to get them involved in the type of, of art that tells a story. In other words, it could be finger painting, painting, whatever, but um, they, uses, they use all their senses, okay? Like when you, uh, you, might, you might be painting flowers, and I want to know what they smell like, yeah. you know? Um, you're you're painting uh, maybe a, a some birds in a tree, and I want you to hear the the birds. What type of bird is it? Is it an owl, maybe, or or, or any kind of singing birds? Uh, maybe you maybe you're painting a, a picture of a uh, of a factory and smoke or a house and smoke is coming out of it. And what does that smell like? And is it a bakery that you can smell the goods? Um, is it a tree you're painting? Is it a pine tree? Can you, you know, can you feel it? And when you say that to somebody, they always touch the painting. Like you, if you say, is that a pine tree with with uh, prickly uh, uh, thorns on it or whatever, they normally touch the tree to feel it. Yeah. And it, it's almost like a pin that tells a story. Absolutely, it's like you bring you bring the reality to a one, a, you know, a flat dimension to, by talking about it, by thinking, reminding the brain that this does have a smell, it has a feel. We know what smoke from that those fires that we're all burning to keep ourselves warm up in the north part of the country. <laughs> we know what that <laughs> smell is and we love that smell and we we love the flowers. The rose smell is just a treasure to me. Whenever I have a chance I'm smelling a rose and so we're talking about all those aspects. The, sen- the senses can really be engaged by 
inviting them out. So I love what you're saying, Harry. Wonderful. Well, Trent, I need to wrap up our show because I've got uh, Mark Wartman, the executive director of ADI, on the line here, too, and I want to make sure that we um, have time to cover all of his stuff. This has just been a wonderful, wonderful conversation with you, Harry. I appreciate you calling in as well. Um, But, Trent, how do people get a hold of you um, and and your products? We talked about the, the app, going to App Zoom. But um, how about the book and just you in general? How do people get a hold of you? My website is called caregiverheart.com, C-A-R-E-G-I-V-E-R, heart, H-E-A-R-T, caregiverheart.com. My book is in PDF format on my website, which can be purchased for $2 and some cents as a as something you can view on your computer or any device you can go to Amazon for to download a Kindle version and you can go to Barnes and Noble to download a Nook version of the ebook i sell printed copies from my own storehouse here and my email is my name trin rose t r y n r o s e at gmail.com. So if you're interested in a copy of the book that's printed, send me an email at trinrose at gmail.com. And come look at my Facebook page and get some support there as well. It's facebook.com slash caregiverheart. And that's a place I love to show, show off other resources as well as my own. And I am so glad we got to talk today, Lori. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, thanks again for um, sharing all of your brilliance and talent with us. I really appreciate it a lot. And I know um, your work is just helping thousands of people all over the world. So thanks again for being part of the show, Trent. We'll have you on again in the future and get another update from you. Okay? Thanks. Thanks, Lori. Look forward to meeting you in February down here in Phoenix. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. We'll definitely hook up down there. Have a great day. Now, um, before I introduce our next guest, I just kind of want to go over um, some mid-program highlights. Um, Our last radio show was on hearing loss, which was really interesting, and some clinical trials in the new um, international dementia group that's out So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and click on that link. Our upcoming show on the 4th is going to be about spreading education and understanding dementia. And a good friend of mine, Jane Claremont, is being funded by a family in North Dakota to go on a pretty extensive tour and just talk. They were so touched when their dad um, was diagnosed with dementia and just feel that education is so critical. And so uh, Jane and the family are going to be on talking about that. And then um, Dr. Ina Gilmore is going to be doing a telesummit in February. It'll be five days. She's going to have three speakers on, um, and we'll be talking about that whole program coming up. Today um, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 2 p.m. Central, uh, noon Pacific time, we're going to be doing a Dementia Chats webinar, so you're more than welcome to join us there. You can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and on the homepage, there's a link uh, to that uh, that'll get you in there, or if you want to watch it later, all of them are recorded. I will be posting that later as well. And... Um, 
when you go to our website, you can also access the blog, and there's uh, several articles um, written there that I think you'll have that will give you great information. And then before I introduce Mark, again, I just want to highlight for you some of the organizations that I just um, really believe in. Um, one is the Purple Angel Project, which is the new symbol for dementia. If you're not familiar with that, shoot me an email. I'd be glad to talk with you um, and get you more information. But this is a new global symbol for dementia that needs no language. It's just a, a beautiful, beautiful emblem um, that will make life easier for all. Um, Alzheimer's Disease International, Mark will be talking about that fantastic organization. The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, which does more holistic things um, with uh, uh, nutrition and exercise, meditation, etc. And then the Lewy Body Association, the Association for Frontal Temporal Lobe, the National Aphasia Organization, the Alzheimer's Studies Group, which is doing some clinical trials, um, Music First with Coral Health and Puzzle With Me, and then the Jiminy Wicket Croquet Game are all um, fabulous resources um, for us. So with no no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce um, Executive Director Mark Wortman of the Alzheimer's Disease International Organization. And for those of you that aren't familiar with ADI, it is an international federation of 78 um, Alzheimer's associations around the world. And... Um, you know, they are in official relations with the World Health Organization since 1996 and with the United Nations since um, 2012. Each member is the, uh, the Alzheimer's Association in their country. And so they're the organization of all the organizations. Um, they are just filled with such great information. They do global reports and um you know, so forth. And Mark's going to really be talking about all of that with us. So I'm going to go ahead and just pull Mark in and we'll just get to the conversation here. So with any luck, I'll get him live. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Yeah, fine. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. I can hear you. We're Wonderful. working good okay. today. So yeah. well, I'm I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. There's so much going on that you guys are, are a part of. Um, it's it's almost hard to know where to start, but I'm going to let you first um, add anything you want to, you know, kind of uh, let our audience know what your mission is at, at ADI. Okay, well, like you said, uh, uh, we are the Federation of all the Alzheimer's Associations, like the Alzheimer's Association in the U.S. and from all around the world. And our purpose is to, well, our mission is to increase the quality of life of people with dementia and their families. So we take care not only for people with Alzheimer's disease, but all dementias. But that's also in our name, but it's far too long. <laughs> so we don't use that. We use the shorter name, ADI. Um, and we think we can do that mainly in three, four ways. Um, one is to raise global awareness about the disease, because there's still a lot of um, lack of knowledge and, and lack of understanding around the world. Um, the second thing is that we want to support and strengthen all these associations, especially those in developing countries. And the third thing is that we advocate on behalf of the families and the people with the disease in the international bodies, like you said, the World Health Organization and the UN. 
and recently, for instance, also at the G8 meeting. And, and finally, we try to uh, coordinate the research efforts of our member associations because there are more and more now that fund some research and we try to help them to make the right decisions on how to do that. Okay. Let's talk about the G8 Summit. Um, can you explain what that is? Because a lot of people don't even know what the G8 stands for. Now we're hearing talk about a G20 Summit. So if you can yeah. talk about that, that would be wonderful. Yeah, so the G8 is a kind of informal meeting, a gathering of the what was some time ago the eight richest countries in the world. So it's the U.S., Canada, uh, UK, Germany, France, Italy, Japan, and Russia. And they're meeting once a year with the heads of state. Um, and it originally started as an economic forum, but it's now become more political. So this year's summit was the main topic was uh, the, the war in Syria, the civil war in Syria. But on the back of these meetings, there are much more topics that are brought to the agenda. And the this year, the UK was chairing, and David Cameron, the Prime Minister, has a personal commitment to uh, to dementia, to improve research and care, and and also the awareness in in the UK itself. And he thought it was appropriate to put this on the G8 agenda as well, and ask his colleagues for comments. And then they decided to have a, a separate summit in December in London. And that was a meeting of the ministers of health of these eight countries. Um, but they involved much more organizations and people. So it was quite a large meeting, like 150, 200 experts, uh, including a number of people who live with the disease, and, and one of them spoke in public. Um, and I think it was a unique meeting in a way that uh, at the highest political level, there was now commitment to to take on the issue of Alzheimer's and dementia. And that hasn't happened before. So before it was more something that civil servants did and sometimes the Minister of Health, but a really strong commitment from the top um, politicians hasn't happened before. So that in itself was already a big achievement. And there was mainly, the, the meeting was mainly touching at the issues without yet coming up with solutions. So it was also agreed to do a number of follow-up meetings uh, within the G8 countries. And uh, the UK is going to lead one on um, new funding models, public-private partnerships. Uh, Japan is going to hold a meeting on the care, care systems and care models. And, and Canada and France will work together on a meeting that touches on the collaboration between universities and industry. And that's all going to happen in 2014. And then in early 2015, there will be a big meeting in the U.S., in Washington, D.C., uh, looking at all the research and where we are at the moment and trying to come up with new solutions. So that means there's a lot of energy now in the, the public area, public policy area, to to make steps forward and to look for solutions on different aspects. Um, an interesting spin-off is that the UK promised to double its research budgets for dementia. 
Um, recently, the U.S. Congress also agreed, finally agreed after long talkings in the past, but now it happened on an increase of the research budget with 100 million and 22 million dollars for uh, care and awareness in the country. And I think that's a, that's a result of, of these talks that this now happened because your Congress was not very willing to spend any extra mo money on whatever. And, and now they did. Well, the G20 is a sort of similar body, but then with the 20 biggest countries, and that includes China and India and Brazil and South Africa as well, and Australia. And Australia is chairing that this year. So the, the chair that changes every year rotates from country to country. And now there is a movement in Australia to ask their prime minister to do the same and put dementia on the G20 agenda as well which would be great because then there can be a discussion with these big middle-income countries that um, are not so aware yet about the disease, but will see the numbers increasing uh, rapidly with, with their aging population as well. Finally, but, um, but. yeah, if you have questions, please interrupt because I'm talking too long. Oh, no, I was just, I, I just find it so exciting. That this is going to be happening, um, that the company, you know, countries are coming together. And I'm hearing a little bit of background noise, and so I don't know if you have um, the radio show opened on your computer, that we might be getting some feedback. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure how to change that. Okay. Because I need okay. to listen to it myself as well. Okay. Well, we'll just work with it. I'll just be quiet, then we might get the feedback. <laughs> uh, maybe if I put my microphone a bit lower, that would help. How is it now? Um, uh, that it's still getting it, but that's okay. Um, if you if you don't have a headset on, it happens sometimes. So. No, I don't have that. Okay. Okay, I'll try to speak slowly. I, I wanted to say one more thing, because this event was happening, we invited people from all eight countries from the Alzheimer's associations to come to London as well, and we, we organized a number of side events and some visits on services as well. And uh, this group decided to create a global task force and work together on following up on the G8 as well in several areas. Um, some of them similar as the as the countries, but we also want to do a project on the dementia-friendly communities movement, which is spreading around the world now. Um, and this is a, these are projects of people who, in the local community, uh, try to improve some very basic day-to-day -day things for people with dementia, for instance. Uh, make libraries or shops or town halls aware that it might be not so easy for people with dementia to navigate through their buildings or their systems. And with a little education, this can be improved. And there are multiple uh, examples of uh, cities and villages that have done this. And we want to bring this information together in a, in a toolkit that can be used around the world if you want to do that in your own local community. Oh, that'll be oh, wonderful. wonderful. Now, there now, are, there are um, uh, there's just so much going on. I don't even know what to ask you next. 
Um, can you can you give people an update on the World Alzheimer's Report on Long-Term Care? Yeah, that was released in September, and um, there was a bit of research done on why and when people do need long-term care. And the researchers found that um, at the moment, all, from all the long-term care, all, about 30% is for elderly, for people over 60 and the rest is for younger people, especially between 15 and 44 years old. But we expect by the year 2050 that half of all the long-term care will be for elderly because of the change in demographics around the world. And and from all the elderly who need long-term care, half of them have dementia. And, and that's going to be something like 135 million people by that time. Um, so that means that the, the pressure on long-term care systems is going to be huge, and especially from elderly and especially from elderly with dementia. So that's a sort of wake-up call for our governments, who are often puzzling with the long-term care system, how to finance it, and how to lead it into the future. That one of the things that would help is uh, is really dealing better with Alzheimer's and dementia and finding solutions and ultimately finding a cure because that will have an enormous positive impact on our long-term care systems as well. So that's the that's the sort of uh, the number side, the economic side. But we also looked into what uh, what models of care are there, how can you measure their impact, and, um, and we have a lot of examples in the report. It's, it's almost a 100-pager, so not so easy to summarize, um, <laughs> but we hope that it's useful for those who, uh, who work in the field and who are trying to make their systems better, that they can find in- inspiration, that they can find uh, good examples um, in the report that will help them with their work. And we really think this is very important for, for all the people with the disease and for their families. Well, and your reports are fantastic, and one of the things I like, too, is you have the executive summary reports with with some of them, where people can really find information easily, which is great, too. Yeah, and it's all free, available online through our website, Mm -hmm. alz.co.uk, and then you have to to find (laughs) The world reports, and there are five now since 2009. We had five reports, and some of them are also available in other languages, or the summary is available in other languages. This one, not yet. Okay. But, uh, okay. but we're working on it. Well, and your site's really quite easy to maneuver too. Um, so I don't think people have too hard of a time finding the report. Um, if they go under the global knowledge. Tab yeah. Tab there. Yeah. Can you tell us about the big um, meeting that's coming up? Your big conference. Yeah, that's uh, that's very exciting. Um, we have an annual conference, and that goes around the world. So last year it was in Taiwan. The year before it was in London. The year before in Canada, and now it will be in Puerto Rico, in San Juan, in uh, from the first to fourth of May, 2014. Um, and interestingly, they were put forward by the Latin American countries as a as a venue, 
but because it's quite easy to reach and people speak Spanish, but for the U.S., it's also sort of part of the U.S. You don't need a passport, I think, if you're a U.S. citizen. Um, and it's easy to reach from places like New York or Atlanta or Miami. Uh, so we think it's sort of a connection between the North and South Americas. Um, and it's bilingual. Um, and we've worked, and, and they have a very old uh, Alzheimer's association. So it already started in 1981. I wasn't aware, but I just learned that a few weeks ago. It's one of the oldest uh, Alzheimer's associations in the world. Um, so we're working with the, the local group and with a scientific committee on, on a program for the conference. And what makes this a unique conference is that we not only look at the research uh, uh, findings that will be presented, so what is the latest news on medication and what's in the pipeline and what can we do on prevention. But we also look at uh, the whole care issues and training, education of people, people who are care workers or the informal caregivers, the family caregivers, how can we um, empower them. And we have sessions for that. And we also have sessions on public policy, so comparing what kind of initiatives there are in different countries and what we can learn from that. Um, so it's a great learning experience for everybody in the field, and it is a very broad conference with uh, really different topics. It's never a dull moment. Um, and we hope that, this, um, that we attract many people from around the world, and especially from North and South America. Maybe I can touch on a few of the, of the main items that will be discussed. That would be great. That would yeah, so there is an um, there is a session with an overview of the the latest results of uh, treatments of clinical trials and uh, another one on prevention. So what can we do to reduce our risk to get dementia and what is known? And there are many many studies coming out now almost every day. So it's really good to get an update. Um, we also have some new findings from our 1066 research group. That is a group of researchers working in Latin America and Asia and the Middle East in developing countries. And they look into the communities over there and try to find out how many people have Alzheimer's and dementia and how does that compare to, to other parts of the world, but also um, what are the, the, the connected risk factors, so do many people have diabetes or cardiovascular disease, and how does that relate to each other. And they promised us that there are, there are studies done in Puerto Rico itself and that there are really special outcomes, so we're very curious about it. And then we are going to have a debate session where, uh, as you might know, there are more and more um, tools coming up now with uh, with PET scans and MRI scans to probably to know if you are at risk for dementia, although you don't have the symptoms yet, because we can see the changes in the brain. And we actually want to know from people if they want to know if they are at risk. So if you are at risk of developing dementia before the symptoms occur, do you want to know or don't you? And we will have different perspectives from two researchers, from someone who has dementia, or someone who is a caregiver, and someone who is into ethics. 
and a, bit, a debate with these people. Um, those are topics in, in plenary sessions. Then there are also a lot of parallel sessions where um, other topics are presented in shorter lectures and sometimes in workshops. Um, like it can look at uh, educational programs, programs for caregivers, uh, for best practices in care, or stud medical studies that are still underway and not finished, that people want to present them and compare them to others. Also about advocacy in initiatives, about dementia-friendly communities, about ardent dementia, what was in your previous hour in your program. There's a, a number of great initiatives that we show. And, and we have workshops for the Alzheimer's associations on, uh, on several topics and programs that we do. But everything is open for everybody who attends, and um, those who are in the, the medical field can uh, get what is called CME accreditation. So they have to do some training every year, and they get points for the training, and the ADI conference is, uh, is adding to those points and you get a, a proof of that when you attend the conference. Um, one special thing uh, to mention is that there is now created a new group of people that's called the Dementia Alliance International, which are people mainly from the US and Canada, but not exclusively, who are living with the disease, and they created a network, and they are trying to raise some money for them for members of the group to attend this conference as well. Because as you might know, most people are hit by this disease are also getting into financial trouble and have limited resources to travel. And we are really looking forward to this initiative and I hope that we can welcome a number of uh, representatives at the conference. I know they're very excited about the possibility of being able to attend. And there is a crowdfunding um, site, I believe, with a nice video that they have as well for that. And I'll, I'll oh, go ahead, Mark. No, that's right. And maybe you can put it on your website so that people can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I hope this is some is not a one-off, but this will be something that can continue after the conference, um, when people have had the opportunity to meet and to present themselves over there, uh, that they will find new members from from other countries who can join, and that we really can create a global network. Um, what I hear from people with dementia, if they attend, that it's it's well it's sometimes uh, a hard job for them, so there will be a, a quiet room in the conference center where they can uh, go to and relax and just not have the noise and all the people around. But uh, but it, it's very encouraging for them to, to speak to others and to hear about it and to engage with uh, people in the same situation. Yeah, I think that'll be really, really powerful. Um, and I'm just trying to find the, the link for that, so that'll be great. Um, can you tell us also about, there's a, a new report that's going to be coming out on nutrition? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we're actually finalizing. I have the third draft. I was just reading it before this this call. Um, so we, we've been approached by a company that's actually catering for hospitals and nursing homes around the world, and they were wondering if it would be useful for them to um, to know more about the relationship between nutrition and dementia. And so we agreed to, to work together on this report, and it's uh, done by a group of researchers from uh, from London and from a few other countries. Um, and they have they have looked at basically at two things. One is, um, is there any evidence, scientific evidence, from a systematic review of all the studies uh, that some food would help us to prevent the disease or reduce the risk of the disease? Um, so if you don't have it yet. And the other half of the report is looking at people who have the disease. Uh, how is their situation? Um, and we know that often many people don't get enough to eat. So there's malnutrition, as it is called. And what are the strategies to improve that, especially for people in the later stage of dementia who might have troubles with, with eating and swallowing? So this report will be launched on the 11th of February. And as I said, it's, it's always with working with researchers, it's always um, tied with the deadlines, and they want to make sure that everything is included and that everything is right. So we're finalizing the report as we speak, um, but it will be ready in time. And I think it's a very important uh, topic, and it's something everybody wants to know about, and it, and it has practical implications for day-to-day -day life. Now, yeah, of that'll course, you would right, right. like to know what's in the report, but <laughs> as it's not completely ready, I, I can not speak in too many details. Um, maybe in general say that it's not, they're not, it's not an easy, uh, the first thing is not, not an easy thing. So how does your diet involve, how does that in, uh, impact on your chance, your risk to get to develop dementia? Um, that's not easy to, to research because um, it's often not just one thing that causes the disease. It's a complex of factors. So the report will look at, uh, at a number of things that are brought forward, like antioxidants and vitamins, uh, omega-3, uh, Mediterranean diet, and, and more of those things. Um, also the role of uh, obesity in relationship to dementia. And on the other hand, it will look at the undernutrition of people who have the dementia and what can we do about it. And there have been some very creative people who, uh, who research, did research in this area on how food is supplied in nursing homes. And well, there's a classical story of someone uh, who brought her father to hospital and then when he came, well, not because of his dementia, but for another cause, and when he came back, he lost a lost a lot of weight, and it was apparently because he didn't he was never used to eat his food under this mushroom that was put on front of him. This uh, silver mushroom which which covered the food in hospitals, and he was not um, 
used to that and nobody told him this is your food and can I help you with eating so therefore he didn't eat very well while in hospital and then that's really a missed opportunity because it, it affects your whole health if you if you don't eat well so on the one hand um, I think it's important if we if we don't have dementia that we live healthy and that we eat well but if you have it then it's still important that people get enough to eat and that it's um, that it's delivered in the right way. Very true. Very, very, true. very true. Well, that'll be an well, interesting, interesting report. report. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing that is a little bit related that's often also forgotten when people with dementia are in hospitals or in nursing homes, if they have problems with their teeth, um, then eating is difficult. But sometimes they don't; they're not able to tell you that this is the problem. So the people who care for them should be aware that it can be an issue. And there are specialized dentists who who work for people with dementia, but it's not not a very not often discussed topic. It's very true, very and it's true. very important. Yeah. And the whole area of prevention and risk reduction is sort of our our key topic for this year. So. In uh, September, in World Alzheimer's Month, we will release a report on risk reduction in dementia, um, not only looking at uh, at food as a risk factor, but also all kind of other things like physical activity and smoking and alcohol, um, lower or higher, higher education, etc., etc. And we hope that we can come out with some uh, recommendations, so that will be the next World Alzheimer's Report. Wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about um, the chefs that are motorbiking kind of around the country, too? Sorry, I didn't get that well. Uh, Can you talk about the chefs that are motorbiking around the globe a little bit? Oh, yeah, the chefs, yeah. Yeah, the two two relatives from, uh, they were originally from Argentina, and I think one of them lives in Dubai now. And they have uh, Alzheimer's in their family, and they they want to raise awareness. And they've set up a motorbiking tour from uh, Buenos Aires uh, across um, the cone of South America to Chile, to Santiago, and then to Lima in Peru, where they want to finish. It's a 3,000-mile trip. And during the trip, they they want to meet local people and show what they can do as a chef and cook with them and enjoy their food and maybe educate people and in the meantime they're raising money for Alzheimer's as well money for research and for uh, developing better policies and they just kicked off short two weeks ago and they're still on their way uh, and you can follow them through Facebook and through Twitter and uh, social media. Yeah, I did do a, a blog post on it, so the information is there. And I also did in the chat box put the information on the Dementia Alliance group. Um, and then if people wanted to donate for that as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can look up the motorbike. Uh, what the website is. That would be great. Just need to find the right link. <laughs> if anybody if has anybody any questions, questions, please feel free to call in. Call I know we've got you somebody on the line right now. now. And yes, um, uh, if you want to push one, one that I know that, I that you have a, have a question. Some people are just listening in that mode. So the Facebook page of the chefs is Chefs on the Road for a Course. Yeah, already 1,700 people, over 1,700 people have liked it. So, And they keep track of what they're doing. Wonderful. Wonderful. And it's both in Spanish and English. Yeah. Mark, is there anything else you wanted to talk about on the show today? Um, well, yeah, maybe I could say that um, we're not only had this G8 summit, but it has... Um, it has had an impact on on other organizations as well, and we we were last week we were at the meeting of the World Health Organization, and you can see that uh, Alzheimer's and dementia gets higher on the priority list as well, and and we are invited to work with them on a on a on a global action plan for aging and health that will be. Uh, launched by the end of 2015 and they've asked us if we can bring in um, good solutions and good models from the Alzheimer world because it will be uh, one of the main topics of this uh, this work stream and the other thing is that uh, we're also talking to the, the other big uh, chronic disease areas like uh, cancer, diabetes and heart disease about collaboration because there are many things in common, and certainly now we look at prevention and risk reduction this year, there are many risk factors that overlap between all the disease areas. So we are looking at working together with them in uh, in informing the public. Well, that'll be good. Well, how do, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you, Mark? Um, well, they can... They can look at the ADI website, which is www.alz.co.uk. And for the conference, there is a separate website that is adi2014.org. So that is Alpha Delta India and then 2014, just in one go, and then .org. And that's a special website with all the information about the conference. Um, okay, okay. For inquiries, you, you can write to info at alz.co.uk. But we already get a lot of them, so <laughs> <laughs> people know how to find that. Well, that's good. You've got a big contact um, button on the website there, too. Yeah. And I want to also point out that people can donate to your organization as well. There's a nice donate button as well. You're um, doing some amazing work. And um, I highly encourage people to go to your site and check it out. Again, that's www. 
dot a l z dot c o dot u k www dot a l z dot c o dot u k on there. So, well, great. Well, uh, this has just been a pleasure having you on the having you on the show again and and getting updates. I was really hoping to be able to go to the conference this year, but I've got another. Um, conference that I'm I'm going to be at and so I won't be able to to attend but maybe next year I'll make the conference so yeah well next year is a long trip for you because it's going to be in Australia oh and I really want to go to Australia I've never been so yeah you know, yeah, yeah that would be great would be wonderful well you'll keep up the fantastic work Mark and um, like I said I am so excited that the globe is finally coming together. I mean, it's really, uh, to me, it, it's so exciting. You know, I talk to people all over the world, but, you know, the energy is just really picking up and people are starting to understand we, we have to work together. There's no way we cannot work together in order to make things better for people dealing with this disease. And um, and it also seems like, and, and, and maybe you can talk to this too, that the focus used to be just um it, the focus used to seem to me anyways that it was more research based and a cure but now it seems like it's starting to encompass support for those living with the disease as well are you seeing that shift with people you're talking to as well yeah that, that's that it's a combination really actually one thing that we see as well is that um more and more countries are now working on an alzheimer plan or dementia plan or strategy or whatever they call it. So an integrated plan to to look at all the aspects from from public awareness, education, uh, support for caregivers, improving their healthcare system, uh, encouraging people to get diagnosed. And that used to be only in the in the richer countries so far, like the US and France and Australia. But now um, there is a number of countries working on it from the middle-income countries like Mexico, for instance, and Indonesia. And we're really excited about that, and we hope that this year we will see the first ones of those plans coming out. Um, and then we can drive it to, to other countries as well, because it will be very encouraging if uh, some of these countries with, with relatively limited resources and not such a sophisticated healthcare system if they want to look into this as well, and if they are aware that this is going to be a growing problem for them. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and that's that's one of the things that I love about, you know, my company Alzheimer Speaks is we're really about trying to raise everyone's voice and give every, you know, share the knowledge out there, um, and and let people know what's going on in all different areas because it's so. It's so important because I think, I think when we share that knowledge, um, it sparks other people to try something different, and and to start, and you know, and then you get all these support groups going, um, just through networking that that want to make a difference, that start all this chit chat. So, for me, I, I've just been amazed at kind of how the grassroots of um you know Alzheimer's and dementia is really coming full force with with everybody working together from all different levels from 
the person who who is diagnosed to the family to the professionals to the organizations the businesses the community it's it's pretty cool to be able to watch that happening yeah. and um it, it's it's very exciting very exciting yeah, time you know the support structures and all the even the most of the healthcare work is all very local that's all around the world the same so you can, mm-hmm. on a national level, you can live, give guidelines, you can exchange best practices, and on an international level as well. But the real work needs to be be done in the in the local community, mm-hmm. uh, and by the people who know each other and who work together. And and what is so important for Alzheimer's is that it's often not one group of experts or specialists or professionals. But it has so many different aspects and elements, and ideally, all the people who are the stakeholders should work together. Whether it's the the family doctor or the psychologist or the nurses, everybody involved should know um, what they can do and what they can do with others as well, and refer to others. And that is often one of the things that are not very very well organized yet. So the the health systems are often very fragmented. And everybody mm-hmm. works in their own silo but don't know from each other. So that's one of the things that we see with these national plans. If people then go over their own speciality and look in, at the whole, at the, the broader picture, then they get aware of uh, opportunities for collaboration and that makes everything stronger. Exactly. exactly. Well, and for those listening, um, you know, I'd be glad to offer, if you um, have a business product um, organization or tool that helps people with dementia, to go ahead to and go to alzheimerspeaks.com, um, which is our website. And then in the header, there's a couple of gold buttons, and one says partnering options, share that you care. And if you click on that, you can become a member of Alzheimer's Speaks, and then once you do that, you can register in our directory to let others know what your services are. And there's no charge to do that. Um, once you register, you can also get our, our free tools um, that we have there as well. But, you know, it's just a matter of of letting people know that you exist. This is a big world, and, and even though we might be across the pond from one another, there are ideas that we can share. There's information, um, and it's just been a, a brilliant, brilliant thing, again, to be part of. Um, you know, I, I've felt honored to be able to bring the, the Memory Cafe over here to to the U.S., where we've got over 100 of them now. We're, tra- we're trying to track down where they all are, um, because so many are volunteer movements on that. Um, so we've even got a person who now is creating websites for them so that they can register and get into the directory. So, I mean, people are really working together. And the dementia-friendly communities, we've got sectors for that. Um, I'm working on a Purple Angel tab that will tell people how to you know, be part of that whole global symbol um, because, again, you can be an individual. You don't have to be a business or an organization to help promote awareness. So it really is all of us working together, you know, at all levels um, to make a difference. And and it's happening, and it's it's exciting. It's very, very exciting um, to do and to be part of and to, to watch. 
um, the growth um, that has happened just in the last two years. I, I've just seen such a, a massive shift in attention um, to the disease, and it's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So, Mark, again, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us um, today on the show. Um, it's always a pleasure to, to talk with you and to learn all about what what you guys are up to. And I know next time we have you on, there will be a whole other list and more reports coming out. Um, and, again, you said, was it February 11th for the Nutrition and Dementia Report coming out? Was that the date? Yes, right. Okay, wonderful. So people can check back on the site with that. In the meantime, you can, you know, get the world report um, and and find out a little bit more and, and sign up for the conference in Puerto Rico. Man, I'd be there if I wasn't going to be working someplace else. Um, I was really actually looking forward to, <laughs> to going this year because uh, I haven't had a chance yet. But I guess it's next year in Australia for me then. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, well, in Puerto Rico, it's, uh, it's much better weather than you have in most of the U.S. now. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. chilly here in Minnesota. <laughs> we are, uh, I think, like 25 below, and they were they closed the schools for, I think, the fifth time due to cold weather. Usually it's snow, but it's, uh, it's the cold weather that's killing us here. Um, mm-hmm. And um, they've got shortage for propane for some people, and they're telling people to turn their heat down, and they're trying to truck mm-hmm. it in, and... Yeah, it's cold here. <laughs> it's cold. So I'm sorry to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty though. It's all you know. We've got white, fresh snow, and the sky's blue, and you know things could be a lot worse. So, it's yeah. uh, it's okay. It's one of one of those things we we like about our seasons here. That's what keeps us here. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, again, um, for our listeners, you know, go check out um, Alzheimer's Disease International. Again, you can go to www.alz.co.uk. Or if you are interested in emailing them, it's just info at alz.co.uk. But you'll find lots of answers on their their website. And... um, you know, don't forget about that donate button there too. For them, they'd love to 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 see a do- donation, or maybe you want to be like the chefs, and you've got an idea of how you could raise money um, for this wonderful organization as well. I'm sure Mark would love to love to talk to you on that too. Yeah, sure. So. Thank you. Well, great. Well, thank you again so much, Mark. You have a wonderful day, and we will talk again soon. Okay. Yeah, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity, and uh, I always like to hear your show as well, and hopefully speak to you soon. Okay, sounds good, and best of luck at the conference. Um, I'll be thinking of you. (laughs) Okay, thanks, Mark. Bye now. Thanks, bye. Well, what I'm going to do is going to go ahead and wrap up the show here. Um, Again, I just want to um, remind people that we're going to have um, the Dementia Chats, which is a free webinar where I interview people with dementia. That'll be at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central Time, 1 p.m. Mountain, noon um, Pacific Time. And uh, you can just go to the Alzheimer's Speaks website. you know, dot com, and it'll be right under the radio show. You can just click on that to enter. You don't need any password or anything. Just enter as a guest and come with your questions. 
Um, this is an open, fluid conversation, um, and uh, we, we always have uh, – great interaction and insights, not only from our experts who are diagnosed with dementia, but those uh, in our audience as well as our participants. So we'd love for you to be part. Again, if you're interested in learning more about the Purple Angel, which is the emblem for the global awareness um, with dementia, please let me know. Um, we've talked about the website for Alzheimer's Disease International. Again, they're doing great, great things. Um, the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. Don't forget about the Lewy Body Association if you're dealing with that, or the Frontal Temporal um, Association as well. Or if someone's having problems with speech, you might want to check out the National Aphasia Organization. And aphasia is A P H A S. I A. Again, that's A P H A S I A. And then if you're looking for um, some things to do, uh, again, remember Puzzle With Me, Jiminy Wicket, the Croquet Game, and um, again, Music First with Coral Health. And don't forget about that new app that Trin Rose talked about today as well. Lastly, I just want to thank Custom A Design, who's my web guys, who kind of keep me on my toes and, and help me do all that I do uh, with the website. I, I don't know what I'd do without those guys. So um, have a blessed and warm day. Got to be warmer than Minnesota, <laughs> hopefully where you are. And we will talk soon. Thank you again so much. Take care. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.